Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday to you all. It's delightful that you've taken the time to join us for Daily Devotions through Redeeming Life Fellowship. And if for those of you who haven't met me yet, I'm Dan. I'm a teaching pastor here. And we're going to continue this journey through the Redeeming Life reading plan that's been leading us through the New Testament over the entire year. And if you've been following along, you'll know that we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. And we're going to be focusing on chapter 8, the entirety of chapter 8 today. And it's probably going to be touching on a subject that, frankly, for some of us, is probably a little bit touchy. Uh, it's certainly uh, one in which uh, presses on an issue that um, I think uh, casts the, uh, the church oftentimes in a negative light from the outside, historically speaking, and is one that, frankly, uh, we're... we're Paul, as he's taking time to be able to uh, write to the church in Corinth, that he's using this occasion of a mission that Paul is setting out to accomplish to basically get at the motivations of the Corinthians and wanting them to, to, to nurture them and to grow in an area where it's where there's room for growth. Uh, and so, what what are we talking about today? Well, we are talking about uh, money. We're talking about giving. And I know, uh, growing up in the church, uh, serving as a pastor and uh, several different faculties in uh, different seasons of life, and hearing it oftentimes that, that the church is just uh, a place full of money grabbers, people who are just constantly begging and pleading for people's money just so that you can line the pockets of the, the leaders within the church. And basically, who, um, uh, uh, where, where, where none of us is unfamiliar with, with the televangelist types who um, fleece gullible people of their money um, and just by constantly asking for, for, for money that serves for their mansions or their private jets. And when, in cases like that, uh, it breaks my heart because when I look at examples like that, they are anything but the examples that we see expressed here in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. As a matter of fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. And, and here's what I want us to be able to, to, to look at here. Well, first of all, let's, let's consider the 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 occasion and the context for for what Paul is addressing at this point is as we know as Paul's writing to the church in Corinth he's on missionary journeys and the thing that we happen to know is that the church the Christian church in Judea and in Jerusalem uh, is experiencing some very serious financial crisis probably due in part to the way in which that the, the church there had been so generous in the expectations that Christ was going to be coming back soon, and also in part because of a famine that appears to have ravaged uh, Judea around this time. And so the church in Jerusalem uh, is in desperate, dire need uh, in, in ways and in degrees that probably the, the rest of the churches abroad are not experiencing. They're, have, they're experiencing it the worst. And so even as Paul is going about uh, and uh, 
sharing the gospel and planting churches and evangelizing and uh, nurturing the churches throughout the, the, his expanding circle of influence, he knows that, that the church as a whole needs to marshal its resources, marshal its charity, marshal its generosity in a way that's going to be able to help these churches in need. And so what Paul is doing at this stage, uh, as he's sitting down to write to them, is um, basically uh, wanting them to be able to grow and to make sure that this thing doesn't become an obstacle to their growth as the people of God in growing mature disciples, that this thing doesn't become an obstacle to how they're growing in Christ. But rather, with something like this, with their with their money, with their resources, that this is an opportunity for them to be able to, in the words of Paul, to excel, to be able to grow in the grace of giving. That somehow, when it comes down to how it is that we're handling our money, that this is opportunity for, for God to transform us into the people he's created us to be. And so in order to be able to do this, He's not just trying to uh, compel them or to force them to, to, to give, but rather he wants them to be able to, uh, to, to nurture and to, to cultivate the right motivation to, towards giving. And by cultivating that right motivation, he does so by encouraging the generosity that reflects the same generosity of Christ. And so all of this is sort of bound up in in not just wanting to um, to pry their wallets loose and get them to give, to give until it hurts, as sometimes said, but rather to say, uh, Corinthians, I, I want you to give out of a, of a sincere heart. But with this in mind, let's just read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 all the way through. And, oh, and I remark in passing, one of the interesting historical background bits that we're going to read about here in this, the, the immediate verses, where Paul is bragging on the Macedonians to the church in Corinth, it's, it's, it's suspected that there's been, um, there still remains residue of a longstanding rival between Macedonia to the north and Corinth to and Achaia to the to the bottom where they think about each other as historic rivals. So if Paul is bragging on on the Macedonians before the the uh before the, the, the church in Corinth, then it's it seems as though that, that at least in part he's trying to sort of stoke the fires of a competitive spirit that they're not going to be outdone by the generosity of, of the Macedonians and to say, yeah, if they can do well, yeah, we can do better. Um, and so but let's, with that in mind, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It says this, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, 
entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. So, interestingly enough, the way that they're thinking about, about the Macedonians or giving to this cause is not one out of duty, but rather privilege to say, um, like, Paul, please, we know that we're in extreme poverty, but let us do this. We want the privilege of being able to help, to be a part of the blessing towards somebody else. And how, how the motivation behind this type of sacrificial giving is one that, that betrays love and charity that's not just in word, but love and charity that's in deed. And you can see it by way of the nature of their sacrifice, that what they're saying, they mean it. That, that the love that they're, that's expressed in such a generous gift is one that, uh, that, that has to be coming out of sincerity. Uh, and so with that in mind, let's keep going. And it says this, this is very important, verse 5. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. The way in which that their generosity is reflected comes out of their belongingness to God. To say, Lord, all of this stuff that I have, however much of it or however little of it is, it was all yours to begin with. And if I'm giving myself fully and completely to you, that means this is yours too. And that I'm going to use this in a way that is pleasing to your heart, um, in a way that reflects your generosity towards other people who are in need. Uh, so let's continue. It says this, verse six. Uh, so we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Says, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So, do you see what's happening there about the way in which, um, which this generous gift that Paul is encouraging them to give is one that says that is not just trying to to tug on their heartstrings and to get them to feel bad about the the church in Jerusalem, uh, and that if they were good people, that they would uh, that they would give nothing nothing of that sort, but rather to say we want this type this act of giving to be a one the one that reflects the same love that God has shown towards you, uh, in that in the words of John in his epistles that is. If you give because God first gave to you, it's because we love because God first loved us. Um, God is the one who did this first, and everything that we do is just a reflection out of that. 
So let's continue. And verse 10, and here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Uh, in short, you could say uh, ability does, doesn't count for anything, but willingness is everything. Uh, it's not a matter about how able you are, but rather how willing you are. And that what God can do with someone who's willing is, is everything. Because uh, God, God will use anybody who's willing. Um, and do amazing and wonderful, powerful, even impossible things with your willingness. Uh, so let's continue. It says, verse 13. Um, Our desire is not that others may might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. So listen to that. He wants them to be generous, not just so that, that in effect, uh, you're going to be like trading places where, uh, where we want you to give everything it is that you have so that you're impoverished, so that they can have all the money. Uh, but rather, we want there to be uh, a mutual support between one another uh, so, that, so that, that equality between the parties, uh, between the church in Jerusalem to the church in Corinth, is a real thing. And let's finish this. This is this. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. And that, of course, is uh, uh, an allusion to Exodus chapter 16 about the way in which God provided for the Israelites through manna and quail and um, and their instructions to gather every day, enough for that day, daily bread, as it were. Uh, and then on the, the, the last day of the week, on, or excuse me, the second to the last day of the week, to gather enough for two days so that you can rest on the Sabbath. And, uh, and every single time, those who gathered much did not have too much, and those who gathered little did not have too little, um, because God was providing for them. And... What's, what's so fascinating about this is that, that what Paul is describing here is not, well, certainly it's not, this is not Paul just setting out to be a philanthropist, uh, where he's recognizing that, you know, these people are in need and that if, and that, you know, if you go and help them, you're going to feel better about doing so. That would just be uh, getting the church in Corinth just to feel good about themselves as a way of giving. And that's not what the, the motivation that he wants them to have, but rather he wants their motivations to be reflecting one of Christ, the one of grace, one that says, um, I freely give not because I want to be the good person who's helping, but rather I am seeking out your your good, seeking out um, 
the benefit of others just because I love you. That's what the, the motivation that he's wanting to develop in among the church in Corinth. And what's what's also so so fascinating about this is that uh, that what they're developing is mutual dependence on one another. Isn't that that their their dependence is solely on God? It is, but made manifest through uh, generosity or provision through uh, all the churches who are surrounding one another in love. And here's, here's I guess, the best way that I think I can describe this. In the, you know, eight years of marriage that I've been with, with Julie, I, I don't know how this happens. It, it, it's, it's nothing short of grace, as far as I can tell, but that somehow or another, we've never been sick at the same time. Um, when I've been sick, she's been well. And when she's been sick, I've been well. So that on either side, one of us is able to, to be strong and be well enough to be able to support the other when they were in need. And how when that happens, surprisingly enough, um, those are occasions in which um, we learn to depend and to lean upon each other. And that, that um, cultivates... Um, generosity that cultivates charity that cultivates sincere love for one another because we've learned to depend on one another and uh and i tend to think that that's the sort of thing that 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 paul wants um is desiring for for the church to be able to to grow between the different communities spread throughout the world with this in mind let's finish up chapter nine or chapter eight excuse me it says this verse 16 I thank God who put in the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. And we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism by the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. In addition, we are sending with them our brother who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches and an honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you, so that the churches can see it. So, thank you so much for joining us for Daily Devotions. Uh, I encourage you to subscribe to the YouTube channel and check out our podcasts if that's an easier way for you to access the material. But uh, I pray also that you would be uh, encouraged to be able to support us in this ministry that we're doing here in Whitley County and Huntington County and goodness, wherever the Lord happens to lead us. Ah, and in all of this, I do pray that each and every one of us, as we continue this work of growing mature disciples, that we would do as the Corinthians, that we would excel, that we would grow, that we would flourish in this grace of giving. So God bless you. Take care. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank <laughs> you.